Well, that's what I usually do, too. It's always good to start recording because you never know when I'm going to suddenly start the podcast. <laughs> I like to be, have it be surprising. Oh, very. It's always like a surprise. Just like, just what are we going to open it with? Right, exactly. Ah. <laughs> Welcome to the Wally Tarot Podcast. Welcome to the Wally Tarot Podcast. <laughs> Hi, Wally. <laughs> I sprung it on you this week. <laughs> Yeah, I finally have an excuse for my pandemic brain, and that's because I our podcast is now officially half vaccinated. Yay, we are half vaccinated. And by the we, <laughs> I mean we you. are half vaccinated. I mean, <laughs> I am fully vaccinated. Esther is not. I'm still at home every. You will day. be soon. We'll see. Can you believe in Korea they were doing a in a town full of old people? They were doing a escorted vaccination car like with police and sirens and all this stuff like to the to the vaccination sites and i'm like <laughs> who is gonna rob the vaccine truck nobody that is very <laughs> very fun and <laughs> extravagant and whimsical and i'm here for it it's almost like the olympic torch like they just have a police escort of just like one guy with one suitcase being like here's fifty thousand doses of I was like, okay, first of all, there's so many CCTVs in Korea. You can't really steal anything and get away with it. Like, you cannot. You can't, like, pee on the street. I don't know why you'd want to. I don't know why that was It it still happens. It still happens. You can do things, but it's just like people are going to see more than what you had anticipated, possibly. But it's just like, why do you need a police escort? Maybe it's to make people excited. Maybe they're trying to, like, amplify the (laughs) joyfulness. Instead of a parade this year, like we would usually get, it's like a police escort of vaccines. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's still during your Lunar New Year break. So it's like, sure, this is a holiday festive celebration. We're so festive here. But anyway, we're excited. It's happening. Apparently, California is doing a really good job. Yeah. I don't know. There's probably Californians who do not feel that way. But I work in education. My county was super easy to get an appointment to. And you will be there soon. And so will all of our listeners who want one. Yes. Everyone should get one because even though I was so tired yesterday that I... Met with one single student and then canceled the rest of my appointments because I needed to get this fucking sleep. <laughs> I that's I've heard about the second. It's still dose. worth it. It's more exhausting to your body yeah. than the first one. So drink lots of I water. I had heard of all sorts of crazy sort of symptoms, and the only one that I really had was like my arm hurting, which is normal for any vaccination oh, for right. me, and just like being super wiped out. Uh-huh. What did your <laughs> tattoo hurt? Like, did the skin get more sensitive? Just questioning, because no, I heard that was like a, a thing, so. My tattoo is 20, no, is 12 years old. Okay. So it, it's like, I don't think that it's new enough for any sort of. Reaction? Reaction. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll take <laughs> it like because that. Because I've had so many other illnesses since then. I do. I did see that article, though, about yeah. how it was like creating all these autoimmune responses for tattoos. But also my tattoo is one inch by three inches. So if something happened, you maybe not would recognize it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I maybe wouldn't have noticed. It's very small. In fact, when you said, did your tattoo get weird? I literally was like, oh, yeah, my oh, tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do have one. So if our listeners have are vaccinated, have that been vaccinated and your tattoos get a little sensitive, got weird. It's okay. It's not. And my sister is the only other person who like, I talk to regularly who had been fully vaccinated before me. 
and she has a tattoo, but it's just one single letter. Oh. So she has one quarter of the tattoo that I have. <laughs> I love that. So I was thinking, maybe I'll ask Katie, but then I was like, no, no. she just has the letter G tattooed behind her ear. Like, there's no way that that, that, that she would have noticed. Maybe would have noticed. Right, exactly. Either. Yeah. <laughs> Bodies are weird. Okay. Get vaccinated. Yeah. That's the message for our opening banter. Exactly. We are a pro COVID vaccine podcast. Yes, we are. Because <laughs> we want to see everybody at a tarot conference. Like we were all ready to I go know. to tarot conferences. We want to attend tarot conferences. We want to go on a speaking engagement thing for our book. Right. Like there are all these fun things that people do when the world is not shut down. Exactly. So one step closer to that. But anyway, so excited. And I just am still going to have the mental transition to being like, yeah, now I want to go places yeah. because I don't know if that'll ever fully come back. <laughs> for real. Generations are with. scarred for life of other people. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, do I trust you to get within six feet of you? I don't think so. I know. Exactly. I mean, literally the main reason that I'm so excited is that because my two closest friends also work in education. Once we're all fully vaccinated, we can have a movie night yeah. in my own house. Yeah. Like that's what I'm excited about is just like, Having Mara and Sarah sit on my couch with me. If I like you, <laughs> possibly you can get in my bubble of space. If I don't like you, just stay away. It's like COVID response. Seriously. Who knows? But we're we're getting somewhere. I just can feel it. Yeah. And this week we're really excited because we're talking about a book that we've been saying we were going to talk about for weeks now. And now we finally did. Yay! Because it's a book week, we have learned our lessons. We're not going to attempt to answer any questions. Absolutely not. Every single time when we first started doing books, we would still try to answer questions. And it just... It was like two hour long long episodes. It was not conducive for a podcast. Well, I will pick the card of the day, Esther. And uh, I'm going to be using Antique Anatomy as per usual. But this time it is the French edition because I don't know where my non-French edition went. Normally it's sitting here on my desk. But she wandered away. I wish we had started recording while you were just running around your room going, where's my antique anatomy? Well, you know, we all know you have five <laughs> copies somewhere on that desk. <laughs> there are only two, but there are four different decks of Claire's on the desk. <laughs> I wasn't wrong, technically. <laughs> and our card for this episode is judgment. Oh, okay. <laughs> a Which judgment. Interesting. <laughs> Cool. We'll take it. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> um, and then I guess we'll also start with our announcements. Our pre-orders for the book are still going. Yeah. We are going to start sort of like campaigning for pre-orders in the next couple of weeks. So we have some pretty cool stuff that we have lined up for that. Um, and like extra content and stuff like that. Yes. So if you are pre-ordering the book, make sure that you're screenshotting that pre-order so that you can save it for later. Um, And if you go to the link in our Instagram bio or in the show notes, there is a link to the bookshop.org version where you can pre-order our book or you can do it on Amazon. Um, Because of, you know, capitalism, Amazon works better for algorithmic reasons. Yes, yes. (laughs) Bulk ordering reasons like 
basically our publisher can see the trend. And so that that's really helpful for connecting with Amazon. But we also know with ethical reasons, you know, why people would not want to use Amazon. Yeah. So there's, I think our, we have a link to the Quarto page where it has like links for Australia, the UK. Different options. Yeah, that's true. Like any part of Europe where it's much easier for you to order the book through there. So definitely check right. the li- all the links out in the show notes. They will be helpful if you're looking to not use Amazon. <laughs> exactly. Good point. Thank you, Astrid. You're welcome. That's what I was really trying to that say. That was judgment coming through. Being <laughs> awkward about how it works better for the algorithm. It's weird because like I, we, we created the bookshop.org because of moral reasons. Right. And then it's like, oh, but Amazon is like kind of the way that most people are tracking this. But then also apparently other book retailers don't appreciate having people direct everyone to Amazon. So Esther's right. The Quarto page, blah, 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 blah. Who knows? This is something that we're new to. Anyway, there's my judgment. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And also we have, I think that's our only announcement though, probably. Yeah, we have, we have lots of, I guess we've started doing, we have lots of interviews coming up. So be excited about that. Ah, That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. We have a lot of interviews coming up, which is super exciting. And if you're somebody who thinks that you would be interested in being interviewed on our podcast, um, especially if you can send us copies of your stuff, (laughs) not especially, but it does make it easier. Reach out to us. We have a uh, page on our website about scheduling an uh, interview with us. So we would love to talk to more interesting creators. You don't have to give us stuff for free. That's mostly a joke. Uh, like 97%. What is joke. wrong with me? <laughs> Esther, <laughs> my talking still. It's okay. So yeah. I need to get a grip. Okay. Get some Patreon grips. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Transitioning to Patreon supporters. I am so, <laughs> yeah, you're like, and Holly, let's stop. Now okay, voting so... Patreon supporters, please hold. And then. <laughs> well, and then simultaneously, I'm like, <sighs> <sighs> okay. okay. I think you're just excited about the book. Like, just to be honest, we're just excited about the book. So I'm really excited about the book and we're kind of like doing sort of final checks on art and stuff. And it's like an actual book. I know. Like, I know. (laughs) Like, like going, there's like images and like thoughts in it. And it's like fully a book for so long it was a word document in random google drive folders and now it is turned into like an actual like book book and we'll probably talk about this as we get closer to the actual release date but there are some chapters in there that i remember struggling so much with writing and that it's like it turns out just the same length as any other chapters and the funny thing is that the one that I remember being the absolute hardest to write is the Visconti chapter. And now with the art in it, I'm like, oh, this is yeah, a cool ass chapter. Yeah, especially. Yeah, yeah. We can't we can't like start a tangent about our book when we're talking about another book today because it's not. Oh, yeah, like yeah, the- yeah. Especially because we you already started the transition to talking about Patreon. <laughs> exactly. And then I, got this I will. I will just cut okay, that all out. We have. <laughs> Okay. No, I think it all needs to. <laughs> no. Stop. Let people hear what you have to deal with, Esther, as my podcast co-host and friend. Very hard to keep. This on is track. this is the vaccinated okay, so, version of Holly. I know. Apparently, like all of the hopefulness and like feeling like part of the world again is just coming flooding back through talking to you this morning. Yeah, haven't had it for an entire year, yeah. and now it's like here, it's here. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we have one new Patreon supporter Yay. this week, and we are so appreciative of the support. 
Uh, it is Miranda, and Miranda, I'm pulling a card for you because Esther does not have a tarot deck. Absolutely no tarot deck with me at the moment, <laughs> which is, I'm sure, shocking to the nation. Yeah. And Miranda, your card is the Knight of Pentacles. Ooh, I like the Knight of I'm Pentacles. I'm not going to attempt to say it in French. <laughs> Good job. I will make an ass of myself. Yeah. <laughs> And if you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can. We'd love it. We appreciate our Patreon supporters. We're still recapping the first season of Charm. Yes. It's going super well. Uh, and there's all sorts of other stuff there. Yeah. So if you're just looking for a quick cheat sheet for Lenormand or tarot meanings, you can also find that there. Yep. And Esther is slowly but surely uploading all of our major arcana uh, little mini episodes to Patreon available for anybody just through the Patreon website. So if that's something that you're looking for, you can go there too. And I apologize to all of our patrons for the notification because I can't control it, but you can turn notifications off. So if it annoys you, you can turn it <laughs> no, off. No, don't turn notifications off. I'm just saying, I don't have the you power. You are projecting because you don't like notifications. I hate notifications. <laughs> this is 100% projection. I don't care okay. about notifications. Okay, well, that's good. I was like, there's going to be like six emails in their inbox tomorrow morning when they wake up about- Everyone's going to hate They're going to hate. They're going to be like, what's no. going on, Esther? So anyway, I would turn them off if no, I could. No, no, no. That's projection. Okay. Well, I'm trying to be helpful. I love you and appreciate that about you, but I don't think anyone else cares. Or watch us get like 15 <laughs> emails posts about people being like, yeah, yeah, there's nothing worse than a notification on Patreon. <laughs> All right. Anyway, do you want to talk about this book? Yes, or what? let's talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about it. Okay. So this week we are reviewing Tarot, No Questions Asked, Mastering the Art of Intuitive Reading by Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. The Tarot Lady. That is her handle on everything. All of the things. Um, and she, this is just a brief bio of Teresa Reed because she's written a whole bunch of books oh, that yeah. we've reviewed a, at two, least two, one of. I think we've on reviewed two. Before. Did we? Yeah, I think we've reviewed two. Uh, or at least we talked extensively about the astrology one and then actually reviewed the Tarot for Troubled Times. Changed my life. Yes. Okay, so Teresa Reed is a tarot veteran who's been doing tarot professionally for over 30 years. She's the author of the Tarot Coloring Book, Astrology for Real Life, and the co-author of Tarot for Troubled Times. In addition to reading the cards, she loves teaching and runs several classes on tarot and astrology. Her philosophy is the cards tell a story, but you write the ending. She loves yoga, whipped up feasts in her kitchens, cats, hip hop, and her husband and children. You can find her at www.thetarotlady.com. Excellent URL. Yay! So... Esther, do you have the synopsis in front of you or would you like me to? Um, where's this? Is there a synopsis on the book itself? Like the back page? I think on the back page. Uh, yeah, I think it that. Maybe. Depends on. Oh my gosh. Forward introduction. Nope. Title page. Nope. Let's see. Okay. Back cover. Back cover. Back cover. Nope. Nope. Don't have it on the e-version. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> hey, we tried. We did. Okay, the short synopsis is, it's not enough to memorize the meanings of the tarot cards, and you can't do a reading with a workbook by your side forever. You need to hone your intuition. Without a comfortable connection to your sixth sense, tarot readings become cookie-cutter interpretations. In tarot, no questions asked, you'll explore the basics of intuitive tarot reading, how to read the cards in a perceptive, sensitive fashion, and interpret them without questions, backstory, or anything to go on. Using exercises and examples, Teresa teaches you how to see patterns and clues in the images that bring the cards cards to life. 
Tarot sizes and journaling prompts throughout will help you embody the energy of the cards, see the story they're telling, and learn to trust your gut. So I think maybe we'll do the level of reader that this is appropriate for and then some gut reactions, then move into structure and strengths and weaknesses. Yes, perfect. Yes. Okay, so what was your gut reaction? Okay, uh, no, no, no. What am I talking about? I just laid out our structure and then completely changed it. Okay, (laughs) level of reader it's appropriate for. That's what comes next. (laughs) Esther's like... I don't think I can handle this version of Holly. What is going on? I was just like, all of a sudden we laid out the outline and then she started the last one. And then I just immediately backed her <laughs> Okay. Um, so the level of reader, I definitely think this is really good for an absolute beginner reader as well as like a beginner intermediate, like looking yeah. to go pro reader. Like it's very beginner friendly slash intermediate like pushing, if that makes any sense. I thought that it was really cool to like, I thought, so yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I do know what I'm trying to say, but I'm just like not able to formulate words apparently yet. Um, But I agree with you. It feels kind of intermediate level appropriate in addition to beginner appropriate, because I do think it's super approachable, has a lot of good, very, very beginner information in there. But then there's also like some really helpful tools for more of an intermediate reader, including a whole section about wanting to go pro, which Esther kind of alluded to that I thought was super great because I do think that people want to a lot. Mm -hmm. Like we've definitely been asked about that. Um, and we've also gone through phases where we were selling reading. Yeah. And I think that like kind of formalization of that, uh, is a really helpful thing to kind of consider. I mean, Teresa's from the United States. And so some of the stuff about like LLCs and stuff is going to be maybe more specifically us based, but there's also good advice for like what you'll actually need to create like a more professional feeling, business thing and that's all in a whole entire chapter about it which is super cool yeah and then also i think that the tarot sizes themselves are helpful and i think people who are just like maybe like you know after the pandemic you haven't been reading as often and now you're suddenly like not as confident with court cards or whatever like stuff that you used to feel pretty clear on now feels less clear after a little bit of a break I think that a lot of these exercises could be like super, super great ways to feel reconnected with each card. And there is a tarot size for each of the cards. Yes. So that's also kind of nice. And that way it sort of reminded me of uh, the Michelle T mm-hmm. modern tarot where yes. all of those cards have like, like spells and activities associated with it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of felt similar to that with all of the like very helpful suggestions of what you could do for each card yeah which i appreciated okay so that's just sort of our gut instinct i already kind of not cutting instinct. that was our what what level of now we'll talk about the structure (laughs) esther's like holly you are so wrong we have an outline that we made together I know. Normally I do it on my own. So it's okay if I just kind of go off books because Esther didn't know to begin with. I don't, I don't really pay attention because she's the one that's kind of leading the ship. And then today the ship is like going off course, like the Titanic. And so I'm like, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Okay. So I thought that the structure was pretty interesting, mostly because there's, while there is such a huge focus on each card, Mm -hmm. that section felt really like 
shortened yes. compared to how much I got out of the other two sections. Yeah, it, fe- it felt very, even though it was going mostly through like definitions, like reading like uprights and reversals, it felt very concise and not overwhelming. Yeah. Even with the yeah, tarot size totally. with it. It's not like just one, on my thing, it didn't look like just like one page or two pages. It, it didn't seem no, like. No, so for every single card, there's two pages and a little bit of, for most of the minor arcana, there's like some space on the second page where I don't know if it's intentionally done or just kind of the layout, but where you could write in your own notes, okay. which I really liked. Um, I can show you what it looks like as an example. Oh, thank you. Did you notice uh, that they were using Pamela Coleman Smith's deck? Yeah. Because the copyright out went out so they didn't have to make their own deck. Oh my God. Yeah. That's the inside baseball thing. Yeah. So Good now call, tarot sir. books can use Pamela's deck because it's out of copyright. Yeah. So that was before uh-huh. the only tarot books that could really use writer Wade Smith were published by us games yep. or willing to shell out big old bucks. Mm-hmm. So there are all these books that we've really loved who have had other decks used throughout because of copyright issues. Yeah. Some of them have been, had their own self-created decks and they've been kind of weird looking. And you're like, why did they right. use this weird ass right. card for this book? And then you think like, oh, they couldn't get the original RWS. So yeah. Anyway, right. I just thought I'd mention it's that because I'm confusing. like, ah, now we need to get to that the is cards. such a good point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which also in other books, it can be a little bit confusing because they'll describe something that's happening on the page or in the card. And you're like, not in, not in this version. Uh, but yeah, so like this is a spread for a minor arcana where okay. it has like all of the space on the second page that you can write. I don't think it's on purpose. Yeah. It's just kind of the layout. But that's still nice. But it becomes really nice because it makes it even more sort of like adaptable to your own needs. Mm-hmm. So And it, it looks like a is... pretty wide book itself. It's not like a thinner book does it make sense no it's 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 very substantial here it is next to queering the tarot because i brought that down okay okay oh yeah okay yeah um but the basic structure is that it's broken into three main chunks um the tarot basics which is kind of like about the deck itself and then about each card intuition basics which is like a full chunk of just like ways to hone your intuition a lot of which i think we'll get to when we kind of go into each section individually um is stuff that i really love some of it's stuff that we already do and that we've talked about before also Mm -hmm. um but some of it's stuff that i hadn't really considered that i really liked and then the biggest section is the road testing your skills section the third part yeah So that talks about how to read, uh, like methodology stuff, sample readings, um, some additional tarot sizes, and then the whole section about going pro is also in there. So this feels weird, but also kind of relevant because the Queen's Gamut just was out last year. There's like a whole genre of books that came out in like the 70s that were like people walking through great chess games and like what happened and whatever. That's why it feels relevant to me. But my friend Brie, Hey Brie sent me a used book that she found at a bookstore of a similar thing, but with just tarot readings. Like it's an entire book of just tarot readings and how to interpret the cards together. Mm -hmm. And that happens in a lot of tarot books. Like I've seen it before, but I think that I like Teresa's voice so much Mm -hmm that reading it in this setting felt more conversational. And I really like, like I got a lot out of that section. Right. Um, And it also made me think like, that's why that's one of the biggest like positive feedbacks that we get about the podcast is that 
hearing people walk through a tarot reading is really helpful. Yes. Um, and I never had really put two, two and two together that that's that what that's kind of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what the books are doing too. Yeah. Cause some, so, of, anyway, sometimes when you thought. read like the logical thought process of a different writer going through how they're reading the cards and things like that, it does get kind of confusing or you don't exactly see their viewpoint, but Teresa's voice is very consistent and very friendly and very warm and inviting. And I think that really brought yeah. out and enhanced her readings in the book. So that was really, really nice. I like that. Yeah, totally. I, yeah. I just think that her voice is really like, you can hear it. Yes. Like you, it's a definite point of view. And I think that that's really neat. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it when we talk about the intuition section. Yeah. Um, was there anything that you wanted to touch on specifically about section one? Not really. They're like section one being the basic card meanings themselves. Um, just specifying. Yeah. Not really. The, a lot of the card meanings for me weren't, wasn't anything like new or revolutionary, revolutionary. Yeah. Revolutionary. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> like revelationary is not the, the proper I, tense. That's not a word. That's not a word, but we can make it a word, <laughs> but it was nice to see the conciseness because sometimes with any sort of meanings, when you're looking at meanings, it can kind of get convoluted or confusing or, but the wa- the water can kind of get a little muddy, but the way that Teresa yeah. was able to convey them, it wasn't like that at all. So, so I think using an example, like we'll just, I'll use strength because that's what I open to, but it starts with the description of what the card looks like and what it kind of means. It's not a keyword structure at no. all. Like you're not going to flip to the strength page and be like, oh, here's the keywords about strength. So it talks a little bit about what the card means. And then there's a section, and this happens for every single card, where it's other ways to look at the card. And so that's not just for, like, if you don't read reversals, you could still use that section, obviously, mm-hmm. because that's part of the idea of not using reversal specifically is that you're able to get this information, even if it's upright. Right. Um, but it's still helpful. And then the really neat things for each card are the, how to embody the energy of the card section, mm-hmm. the questions to ponder section, and then the tarot size section. So for strength, the, how to embody the energy of this card says the next time you find yourself facing a significant issue Take a moment to tap into your own inner strength. Find those reserves of power within yourself. Yes, they are there. Tell yourself, I've got this because you do. That strength is probably a bad example because strength is like so very straightforward. Literal. Yeah. So <laughs> there are some where it's like not quite so obvious. Right. Um, but the question to ponder then is when have you felt stronger than your challenges? And the tarot sizes are where I, again, think that the strength really lies, no pun intended, because the tarot sizes are a little bit more out there Mm -hmm. like they're not kind of about just like what is this card specifically they're a little bit they're pushing you a little bit harder which i think is what it takes to bring this to sort of an intermediate level book Mm -hmm. because the tarot size is both the strength and the magician have the infinity symbol above their heads this is a symbol of endless energy how is the power of the strength card different from the magicians and how is it the same Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really helpful, especially because when you're sort of like you feel a little bit confident, but there's still those cards that you're like, these feel similar. Right. That can be really helpful in clarifying the differences is like really digging in there. Like I'm thinking maybe about this. Maybe we should look at the swords because that's such a good example. Five and seven of swords are often cards that people are like, I don't really get the difference. Oh, right, right, right. They seem so similar to me. Yeah. 
So the five of swords tarot size is grab all of the fives out of your tarot deck, even the majors, including the cards that can be broken down into five. For example, major number 14. Five is considered a severe number. What are the challenges in each five and how have you worked through these challenges in your life? So that brings the five of swords to be more about the five more generally rather than the feelings of like grabbiness and selfishness and like collecting information and all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and then for the seven, oh, well, sorry. I was going to mention Go like in the, that, that practice is also done, I believe for all the pages and the aces as well, where you grab all of those yeah. and you kind of compare. And I believe it's all actually done with all eight of those cards as well, where you kind of compare the energies of the pay, all the pages and all the aces together and all the aces. to see That's kind of that cool. energy. That would even be I, helpful I believe, for so. me because sometimes there are moments where I see a page and I'm like, yeah, I oversimplify it in my head to being similar to the aces. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to do because they're both like about beginning. Yeah, it really helps with that differentiation and like on the spot mm. moment when you draw a card and you're like, oh, fuck, there's a page. What do I do with this page? Because the page is like the ace, but it's not like the ace. What's wrong? You know, so it kind of yeah, helps you get exactly. into that practice of seeing how they can be different but similar. And I do think that in some ways the the court cards are really, really strong. Yeah. The weak part of the court cards is the gender associations. But I think that that's just like a way that people get kind of stuck on court cards. Um, And she does make the point to be like, this doesn't have to be gendered. But then within each court card, the language still has a lot of the gendering, which is understandable because I was thinking, oh, yeah, in Queering the Tarot, they don't do that. And then I was looking back through Queering the Tarot. And for the court cards, they do do that yeah. in Queering the Tarot. Yeah. It was, I think, because we haven't done a book for so long, it was a bit, like, and after, like, reading, like, Fifth Spirit Tarot's book, handbook, and things like that, it for me, it was just more jarring when I was reading it because it's like, you know, these are genderless expressions of people, blah, blah, blah. And then when we get to those chapters it, you know, a few of them did use like their and person pronouns and things like that. But a lot of it was very gender mm-hmm. speaking. So it was just, yeah, I think it's hard for people to break out of that. <laughs> We're like, oh, right. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> even and even though on the podcast, we will say sometimes, oh, like the energy of the queen, she blah, blah, blah. It was just really yeah. strange. Well, that's the thing is that it. when we say that it's, we're not like. I don't feel like we're trying to be like, so you shouldn't read this because there's gendered language. Oh yeah. No, it's just good to know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think everybody does. I mean, it's, it's really hard with the court cards to break out of that habit. And one really good way is to use decks that have more diverse representation in the court cards and don't fall into that sort of trap. Yeah. And change the names of the court cards. Yeah. That really helps too. So that was the only thing that was kind of like stuck out to me. So, but otherwise it was, it was standard. Right. Totally. I love, I, I just really love the tarot sizes though. Yeah. I think that that would be like really cool when you're doing sort of the card of the year to focus mm-hmm. like on using the tarot size in this book and the tarot size in modern tarot to like really start the year off in a position of like understanding and vibing with your yeah. card of the year. I could see both of them being used hand in hand. You could do a card of the day practice or if you're having a issue with a specific card kind of following you and you always pulling it, doing that tarot size may help like suss out what that card is. Oh, meaning that's a good idea like too. When you have those duplicate cards, you're like always getting the same thing. Mm-hmm. Doing a tarot size would be super helpful. Yeah. Okay. So part two, I think is where the book really, really starts mm-hmm. to shine. 
Um, I agree. It's about the intuition basics. And I love it because it feels like she's telling you her own personal story. There's tons of ghoul. Ghoul. What? <laughs> <laughs> Tons of great. <laughs> that was a combination cool. of great and cool. Just like sure. in Mean Girls. Okay. Uh, that w- I thought it was a really cool way to approach it because it feels like you're really getting to know her mm-hmm. as an intuitive person. And also because she's telling you these anecdotes, it helps you remember times where you've had those like hits of intuition and either have mm-hmm. or have not listened to them. Yeah. And I think that like there, it's a really fine balance you have to hit when you're telling anecdotes because I do think sometimes it can then just turn into like, oh, this person's life. Right. And I don't think that she goes that. I think she does a really good job of balancing her anecdotes and then like practical advice. Yeah. I made a note saying like there's a warm and inviting writing style with plenty of anecdotes to explain the meanings and the nuances of those meanings because she gives to me, those anecdotes aren't just thrown in there to say like, Oh, well, I know this person. They're so popular or, Oh, I've had this experience. That's grandiose. Please like, look at me. I'm a really amazing person. They're more to help you understand the nuances of the cards and how she has experienced them personally. And I think that was really effective. Well, and it just starts off really strong with her kind of going through the examples of intuition. So rather than it just being like, you just have to trust your gut. She talks about the difference between a warning flag, a gentle nudge, a sudden urge, a gut instinct, and then deeper wisdom. And I think that a lot of the times we as tarot readers want our intuition to be deeper wisdom Mm -hmm. and we don't trust it if it's something else. Um, which I think is valuable because I do think that humans have flawed gut reactions sometimes. And there's a lot of like preconceived notions that can feed into them. But if it's not about somebody else, you know, warning flags that you're seeing are a form of intuition Mm -hmm. and, you know, a sudden urge to do something or to stop doing something, take note of those things. Cause those are also examples of intuition. And I just like that sort of broadening of the idea of intuition to not just be about that like internal, super deep, esoteric wisdom. It can also right. be like day-to-day basic stuff. Yes. And in these examples, she's not even using tarot cards. It's just about like intuition more generally. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. And then she talks about clairvoyance, clairaudience, and clairsentience. Yeah, she did a really good job introducing, I don't want to say newbie concepts, but like if you're new to tarot community completely, like these things that you'll hear, like not like a glossary terms of definitions, but like you will hear about the clairs in the community. Not all people will have them or experience them, but you will hear about it. So it's kind of like a nice, like introduction to things that you may experience or hear about and kind of preparing you to you know, either accept that into your practice or not accept it, if that makes any sense. Right. But I also super, super like that there's so much anecdotal stuff in this Mm -hmm. section. Yeah. Like, I think that that's really a fun, this is a really good place for it because the idea of the Claire's is not that in depth. Like Mm -hmm. she's not teaching us how to be clairsentient. Right. But by using the examples, you're like getting to know her a little bit better and also seeing these really cool examples of just sort of like day-to-day things that can be really helpful with this. Yeah. Um, although there's also a murder that happens in that section, which is I, oh, very dramatic. Can we talk about the fact that she has predicted so many people going to jail in this book? I know. I'm like, <laughs> Teresa, maybe you need to be reading for different people. Like, I just thought that was so funny. I was like, okay, is this going to be another person going to prison next week? Like, so... Uh, Yeah. Well, but I do think that it's interesting to note that because if she's been reading for over 30 years, she started in the Mm nineties when tarot was like 
much grungier. Like by the nineties, it was sort of after everybody had cards in the seventies where there was this huge terror resurgence in the nineties. It was like either like very specific communities. Mm -hmm. Like think about the tarot decks that we talked about in our book, even that came out in that era. It's like the nineties is just mother piece basically. So it's like very, Right? Am I okay? Misremembering Cosmic that? Tarot, no, it came out in 19... Cosmic Tarot was... 90. Oh, Cosmic Tarot came out in 88. Yeah, yeah 88. Motherpiece came out in, 80. like, 80. Yeah. Yeah. But still, I think... So that means that we don't really have anything that came out in the 90s in the book. No, yeah, because we were, like, trying to find something that kind of stayed around from that era, and we couldn't find anything that kind of, yeah. like, Okay, but that I era. think that that also is, like, sort of speaks to my point. So good job, Holly, for bringing that around. High five us. Okay. Um, <laughs> Because it's kind of like if there was this huge resurgence in the 70s and 80s and because all of those like sort of classics, Aquarian Mm -hmm. Tarot, Morgan Greer, all that stuff was coming out in the 70s. And then the 80s had some more niche decks. And then the 90s was just kind of like people were using those past decks and it was back underground a little bit. And there's a little bit of that like like Times Square in the 90s fortune reader thing. Like that kind of is the vibe that some of her anecdotes are telling where it's like sort of grungy like she's doing readings in like flop houses and stuff yeah. like that <laughs> but yeah the, this is the first time there's like a one of those six senses because I'm worried that because I barely talk to anybody anymore the minute that we start like being out in the world I'm gonna get party girl voice immediately and just like be croaky <laughs> for a year it's fine okay but then she transitions into the intuitive tarot reading and starts talking about like using the imagery on the cards and this is why it's so nice that Writer Wade Smith is not copywritten anymore yes. because she can use the nine of pentacles as the example. And you can look exactly at the one that she's talking yes. about. And so she goes through that card as like, here's all the little things you may notice about it mm-hmm. when you're doing an intuitive tarot, intuitive tarot reading. Like maybe you should look at the snail on the ground yeah. and think about how maybe this card is telling you to slow down, which I can totally see with the nine of mm-hmm. pentacles, but I don't ever read it that way. Yeah. But I guess it's true if you have like achieved these goals, maybe slowing down to actually live in that achievement Mm -hmm. is a good thing to do. Yeah. I will say this is a very RWS heavy book. So if that deck does not necessarily resonate with you, you can still use it, but just be aware that some of the imagery that she focuses on is RWS based. So just be aware of that. Yeah. And I know that like, that's also a transition that we've really had since writing the book is that like there are, is a whole genre of tarot readers who goes and reads so much into tiny, tiny, tiny oh, yes. artistic decisions yes. that were made by Pixie Smith. Yes. And after writing the book, it really feels like sometimes that doesn't necessarily need to happen. Yes. Like there are some things that don't seem, you know, as crucially important. Right. I think a lot of it has for us more to go towards like the esoteric meaning behind a snail, you know, because people can get caught up. Th- yeah. That's like true. That. It's, it's not like the everyday and what stuff. what a snail symbolizes. Exactly. Like, Oh, with the snail and esoteric meanings from like Etia or whatever his name well, is. Exactly. This. And I guess that's a really good point. And this, in this setting, it's perfect because yes. it's about just like the most basic understanding of a snail. Yes. If it was then like, oh, well, you know, the snail in the Bible is blah, 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 blah. And right. then you're like, no, right. that's, it wasn't some Kabbalistic like meaning of a snail, right. but you can see the snail and say like, oh, oh it's yeah, a garden. There's down. a snail there. Yeah. We're supposed to be slow. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
And I don't want to like do page by page, but there are a lot of really cool things that are happening in here because there's also a whole section about like the idea of meditating Mm -hmm. and some, we, I feel like we've gotten questions about this too, because people really beat themselves up about meditation a lot. Yes. And since we say like, you know, it can be helpful to start off by meditating and then people are like, I'm terrible at meditating. Having somebody in a book for new readers be like, you can do this. It's just sitting and quieting your mind. If your mind is racing, just say my mind is racing about this and release it. And that's like, that's some basic meditation tenets, but I also really like that it's here because sometimes I think that tarot people who are drawn to tarot readings are not necessarily also drawn to more general meditation. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking at meditation more generally, that's stuff that you'll find in documents. But if you're just somebody who's like, I'm going to start tarot reading, that can be really helpful and kind to remind people like, don't panic about right. this. And it, like people are always saying like, well, first quiet your mind. And they're like, well, how do I quiet my mind? You know, some people, you know, do this, this, and this, but this, it was nice in the book for there to be a sort of like choices given, like there's sort of list given with choices yeah, so that people could be like, oh, well today I want this type of meditation or today I'm kind of feeling like this, you know, so you can sort of like pick and choose your comfortability level with engaging with that meditation and then being able to yeah. really like kind of personalize it and make it your own. Totally. Yeah. I like it. And then she talks about some different meditations that she does. I think that this is a good point to talk about the chakra thing because chakras have always been sort of a sticking area for me because it is like very inherently part of a religion that I'm not a member of. Mm -hmm. But Mantis Tarot did a whole bunch of work on his TikTok about this that I thought was really interesting where he actually dug deep into the idea of energy centers, which transcend a lot of different religious practices Mm -hmm. throughout sort of a lot of different geographic areas and a lot of different time periods. It actually, and if Mantis is listening to this, feel free to correct me, but it was interesting in the TikToks because a lot of people were trying to make the argument that because the idea of chakras came about in India around the same time as ideas of energy centers started being like documented in Central and South America, that they still, that chakras still are appropriative. And he brought up this really interesting point of if two concepts are developing independently of each other simultaneously in different parts of the world, Mm -hmm. that's not appropriative because there's no way that Central and South Americans could have known about India and the development of chakras. So it's this whole interesting long conversation that I definitely, I wonder if I'll be. TikTok is impossible to scroll back that far on, but I do think that it's worth looking into because I do think that in the past, a section about opening and closing your chakras would have made me feel pretty like iffy. Oh, right. And now I am not, I don't feel as iffy because I think that using the language of chakras can be weird, mm-hmm. but the idea of energy centers being something that you can activate and deactivate mm-hmm. is something that a lot of regions and religions have had yeah time. yeah it's not specifically just one yeah I think it's I, just that the language that we understand is the chakras yes stuff. yes because that was that was always I think I we've even said on the podcast it was always very strange for us to engage in but then as we kind of dove deeper yeah. into it and realized like oh okay so this is like simultaneous things going on there are lots of cultures that experience these energy centers and that focus on like developing that the documented yeah, documenting yeah, exactly. and things like that. I think that really, like you said, it helps. And the language that we have has just been copying what other people have, how they have defined it. 
Well, because at a certain point, the idea, the word chakra is more recognizable and identifiable than energy center or whatever. Right. So So anyway, I think that's worth noting because if it's something that you're not comfortable with, there is like some talk of visualizing chakra energy centers Mm, and then closing it too. But I think that that's like, I mean, even before, even when chakras are something that I would, and I'm still not super comfortable with them. It's not something I use that often, but I was still doing a lot of visualizations that involved like, you know, some third eye opening and stuff. And all of these concepts that are sort of part of that is like, something that I think a lot of people can come to just because when you're visualizing like universal energy, it seems really natural to have that center either on your head or in your heart or in your stomach yeah. or whatever. There's like so much, even the care bear imagery right. of like an energy center on your belly yeah. is like all nineties kids. know yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, okay. So this is another section where I was like, okay, this is so good for new readers because the intuition buzzkill section, I was like, yeah, Teresa, yes. (laughs) Because there are so many ways that people second guess their intuition. So many ways. And it can be so hard for people to break out of that. And I think that like the fear of being wrong thing relates back to the perfectionism thing Mm -hmm. that we've talked about so much on the podcast where people can, if you feel like you're getting it wrong, you just stop trying. Because it's like, oh, I'm not immediately excellent at this or whatever. Um. So there are a bunch of them, but the intuition buzzkills that I felt really connected to was the overly analytical, which is when people are like in, you know, a tarot Facebook page and they're like, I saw these two cards together and I read it as this, but am I wrong? Mm -hmm. Like, and they want somebody to say, yes, you're wrong. This actually means this, or yes, you're right. Good job or whatever. And I think that comes from an overly analytical place because we know that there are like a thousand meanings for most cards. Like if you get a combination of three cards, you can read that in any which way and you have to not analyze it or not, not analyze it, but you have to not get overly analytical. Right. You have to let that gut check be there for it. Yeah. Uh, And then one of the other ones that she mentions is substances. And that's the substances thing is a little bit controversial just because some people really like to have a little bit of cannabis in their system or whatever. You can really open stuff up or a glass of wine. I know when I was first starting to read like at parties for friends, I always found it helpful to have a glass of wine Mm -hmm. just because I'd be less self-conscious and like anxious. Right. Um, But I haven't been to a party in a thousand years, so I have no idea. But yeah, I think just like it can be something to consider if you're feeling like the readings that you're getting are muddy when you're, when you've had a drink or when you're at a bar surrounded by Mm -hmm. people drinking or whatever, take note of that and move on. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Sometimes, um, especially if you're just a person who's a bit uptight, having a glass of wine and doing some tarot is just like a relaxing thing. So it's definitely, yeah. It's, and like we know people who do cannabis and read tarot at the same time as well. So yeah, I think totally. it's definitely to your comfortability level and your personal preference. Yeah. And if you notice that, oh my gosh, like I'm not as specific or it's not as um, healthy for me to do it in this way, then definitely like back off. But I think definitely it's yeah. like a personal choice. Yeah. And she is a little bit harsher about that. She says that she thinks it's irresponsible to drink and mix tarot. So it's just something to think about. But I do like that she clarifies that if you're on medication for physical or mental health, that's not what she's talking about Mm -hmm. when she's talking about substances. Yes. yes. (laughs) Which I think is good because I do think that sometimes it can feel like 
like the naturalist tarot naturalist means nude actually, but like the more like natural naturey tarot people can be like, yeah. Like if you're taking any substances, you're getting a bad reading or whatever, but that's not really the case if you like, you know, need some additional help with something. Yes. That was actually one of the strong points I think in the book was the mental health mentions like kind of all throughout, she made a point to like specify that everyone felt comfortable with either taking medications and doing tarot or when you're, if you're dealing with a client that um, is on medication or suicidal. That's true. She has, that was very strong. She tells an anecdote about a suicidal client and getting him help. That was really touching. And Mm -hmm. then later it comes back up where it's like, here's your responsibility. If you're worried about somebody hurting themselves. Exactly. Yeah. With links to all of these resources. And I think that like, at that because of the tarot for troubled times kind of relating so much to that, I feel like that is a through line for a lot of Teresa's writing, which I also really appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's more exercises. So the hone your intuition section also is really, really cool. There's a bunch of different ideas for ways to hone your intuition using cards themselves. Um, some simple meditation, uh, like storytelling exercises that I really like storytelling exercises that don't have anything to do with you. So you just start it out with once upon a time uh-huh. and then try to tell a story using cards. Yes. Um, the one that I also really liked was the, uh, tarot size for the, what am I trying to say? Celtic cross spread. Oh yeah. Where, because you and I, we've talked a lot about how we don't ever do Celtic crosses because it's just so many cards. Right. Um, and a lot of the times you just don't need that level of reading. Um, but I really like the way that she did it, which is starting with the position 10, which is the final position, the outcome position, and then working backwards from there, which I think is really nice because then you're starting out with, an idea of where you want the rest of the cards to go because you already know the outcome and then you can kind of move on from there. So there's a whole section later where she talks a lot about how to like utilize the Celtic cross in effective ways that I really like. The walkthrough was very specific and helpful. So it's probably one of the better. Yeah, the walkthrough. And well, that's in a slightly later section. So we'll definitely talk about that too. But um, it kind of, it goes along with this idea of one of the other tarot sizes, which is looking at combinations and just jotting down one specific word. And this is where she does an actual exercise section. Mm-hmm. There's like three or four pages, I guess. Yeah. Four pages where she'll do some, like, think about this and then write something down. And so the combo section is something that I think all of our listeners could really get something. Out yeah. Of. Yeah. So it's like coming up with one or two words about the three of pentacles and the ace of wands or whatever. And then you just have to come up with one or two words about what that could mean. And for her, that means promotion, the ace of wands and the three of pentacles, a sort of like new responsibilities within an organization. Um, But all of them are kind of cool. And then the next one I like even more actually, and that is the, a scenario and then pull cards to reflect that scenario. Oh yeah. So the um like eight you're attending a jay-z concert and then the cards that she gives are four of wands and three of cups because she's a big fan of jay-z you're having a great time there's all this celebration you're having so much fun but even just that sort of idea and she gives her answers but there's really no wrong answer right because it's really about how you're connecting with the cards and i just think that that exercise is super helpful for learning how to like combine cards in a very 
fluid way, which mm-hmm. we've talked about before, just takes a lot of practice. Yes, yes. I think so too. And I do like that she includes the reversed in those um, combination ones mm-hmm. because that like, allows those of us who don't read reversals to see, okay, strength in a negative way. This is how you can. And yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's kind of like honing those negative skills, like if that makes any sense. Because you and I, we try to see the positive in many times, but sometimes the cards do reflect negatively. So right. it's kind of like, working out those negative muscles and getting used yeah, to how totally. cards can mean different things. So that's super cool. I thought that that was really, really, really helpful because I do think that like, like I had fun going through those, even though I'm a confident reader mm-hmm. and there were some where I was like, Oh, that is not at all what I would have selected. Like one of them is women, woman graduates from law school. My initial reaction from graduating from law school was four of wands uh, justice and six of wands and her cards for that. Oh shit. No, now she's in my head. Damn it. No, her cards were the four of wands, the six of wands. So I was like, yes, I nailed it. But she said the world, because that brings more of that completion and celebration. And I was thinking justice. Cause that's like more law oh, more related. related. And right. then there's all the celebration, but then it led me to this additional thought process of, I guess the four of wands, the six of wands and justice would be like being released from prison or winning a court case, not as much graduating from law school. Yeah, that makes sense. So it kind of, but it's kind of a fun exercise, even if you're somebody who's pretty confident because she is a different reader than us. And so it is helpful to always kind of get those insights and pieces of advice right. about like what could be combinations. Yeah. Cause I would have put a queen of swords in there or king of swords in there somewhere. Oh, maybe the queen of swords is one. Maybe I was thinking the four of wands, the queen of swords and justice. Cause yeah, the queen of swords also makes total sense. in like a brand new lawyer yeah. sort of energy where she's energy, like yeah. new and like sort of in her, like I think the queen of pentacle or the queen of swords would be more like somebody who just finished the king of pentacles or king of swords would be somebody who'd, been an attorney for so long that like they were able to lead others. Whereas the queen is more like holding all of this information now and being like excited to share. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I think that those sorts of uh, exercises are just super helpful. I think so too. Uh, And then there's, there's a lot. I mean, this is like literally a small fraction of the tarot. It really is. She has like way more tarot sizes than this. Well, sometimes like there's one or two for every card and then there's extra exercises in each section. Yeah. And even in that section, there's other things like, like other ways to do it. Automatic writing TV shows and writing things. And Yeah. yeah, so many good resources. This section is really fun because it is a lot of anecdotes and a lot of like walking through a reading. And again, Mm -hmm. more like affirmations when you're sort of panicking that you're giving a bad reading. It's really nice to see this sort of thing. But yeah, she tells an anecdote about going to a drug dealer's house to do readings and there being like full blown roaches and mice throughout. It's she's just a really fun storyteller in this section. Yeah. So it's like a wild story, but also you're like gripped by it. Like she says, as I left, I shook my purse out just to make sure I didn't bring any new friends home with me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And the 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 point of the anecdote is like such babies. I know the the point of the anecdote is that there are good environments for readings and bad environments for readings. And it isn't necessarily about the physical location, but the vibe of the place, like you can read anywhere, but it has to have the right sort of 
energy. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and then she talks about where she is when she's reading, which I really like because I always like hearing about people's individual like reading locations. Oh, I just yes. love having that image conjured up. I think it's the reason why I love the um, library scene in Pocket of Peers by Jamie oh, yeah, so yeah. much. Jamie Sawyer's Pocket of Peers uh, has sort of a theme of this library. And mm-hmm. her background now when she's doing her lives to talk about it as an image of this library. It's like a big cushy chair, all these books surrounding it. And it's, I just like that. It feels like we're all getting to have similar experiences when we can see yeah. each other's spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, I just love getting to see like, and I know that some people have, um, apprehensions about showing like their sacred space or altar space, but I just really like seeing it because it kind of gives me a picture of who they are as a reader and especially yeah. Teresa going into what she likes and what she enjoys and what's kind of her tried and true method is to me gives us a picture of like, how she prepares herself and how much care she puts into this. And it's also cool because she has been reading for 30 years and she talks about how she doesn't read for other people in like different spaces and circumstances anymore. Like she doesn't read at parties or bars. She doesn't even offer in-person readings. It's all going to be like via the phone or whatever. And that's something that she's been able to decide because she's been reading for so long and she has this like built up Mm -hmm. clientele. But I really like seeing that because I think that it's also sort of giving the reader permission that they're allowed to change. Like you're allowed to no longer want to do those things that you once did or whatever. Yes. Let's see. There is a quote that I, sorry, the bookmarks in this is not. Um, Oh Yeah. (laughs) You must remember this. You deserve to be comfortable. And I think that goes, yeah. and this go, it goes on to saying with the people you serve as much as you want them to feel the same as you. But I think as just in general, she's giving you permission to be comfortable in your craft and for you yeah. not to like, you don't need to do this whole big thing of ceremonial magic before reading tarot. Like right. You and you don't need to fit into anyone else's mold. Like this is yes. about, you're going to do better readings if you're comfortable. Yes, exactly. Uh, so then she talks about cleansing decks and stuff. No mention of sage, which is great. Just yes. incense in general. And then there's another section where it's just very, very helpful to me for people who are getting in their heads too much. The expectations. What Setting the expectations of the reading with yourself or with clients is so important. Like, mm-hmm. what does the client want? Do they want you to tell them the future? Do they want you to tell them, like way more information than you're comfortable with, or do they know that you're going to tell them what you see? You're not going to like bullshit anything or whatever. Um, and then there's a whole section after sort of setting expectations is the idea of detachment. Like Mm -hmm. I know that I'm very easily triggered by suicide. Um, and so if there's readings that involve that sort of thing, it's something that I can't really detach myself from. And so that's something that I'm not very comfortable with. Like a, like very, I guess, difficult mental health situations. My default after losing my cousin is please go seek an actual mental health professional. Like me as your tarot reader, me as your friend doesn't feel equipped to keep you safe. And so I know that that's where my detachment is just not going to like my detachment is not there about that issue. I can't get clear readings about it because my brain is like, I'm not equipped to handle this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we all, and it's recognized that everyone has a bias. We just have to sort of like 
be honest about them with ourselves so we can be the best reader possible. Right. And so hers is about gambling. Like she, she cannot read about gambling. It just does not work for her because of the detachment. She finds it really awful and she won't do it. Um, which is great. And then there's Mm -hmm. like a whole section about asking good questions, which I also really like. I love that. We talked about a lot. Yes. Yeah. Just the formatting. Like, uh, huh. I highlighted so much. Like, it's like, uh, like recommending letting people know you're saying your opinion. Like, I like that because sometimes our opinion can get muddled within the tarot reading itself. And so if we clearly state, like, oh, my opi- this is my opinion, this is my experience, and then differentiating that experience from the cards and what they're saying is really yeah. helpful. Per- it kind of helps with that whole bias thing. And then also, like, the whole question section was like, I will is not useful. Should I is not useful. <laughs> you know, yes or no yeah. is not useful. It kind of, like, it helps you cross off, like, what types of questions you accept and also how to kind of reformulate them, which is kind of what we do on the podcast Right. If and seeing them listed is in. really, really helpful yes. because sometimes we just know like, yeah, we don't want yes or no questions, but then you start thinking about it and you're like, oh, that was a yes or no question. I just didn't realize yeah. it because it was like long or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. So like, you know, what do I need to know about blah, blah, blah. I think that's what, like, what do I need to know about the energy of the situation? Or like, I, we, I think that we use that one a lot on the podcast or what can I expect? Yeah. Or what can they expect? Or what, what can, can I what, do? Yeah, Exactly. Or, you know, how can I And actually, I that's this? a section that we didn't talk about. It's at the very beginning. She talks a little bit about how, like, now there's this whole movement away from predictive tarot. And she kind of, like, chides us, not us, like, specifically, specifically. but the more general us of, like, don't be so cautious about saying tarot isn't for fortune telling that you're, like, insulting mm-hmm. people who use it that way. Like you oh, yeah. might not use it that way, but that's still completely valid, which I appreciate. Right. So, yeah. So then there's the whole, or maybe that's just, oh yeah, I guess that is the next section. That wasn't at the beginning at all. That was just now she talks about that a little bit. So then she starts talking about readings and she has a lot of really fun ways that you can do little mini readings with friends and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But the strength of this chapter for me was truly the Celtic cross. I thought that this was such yes. a helpful way to look at the Celtic cross Yes. Because not only does she go through like, this is what all the different sections are, but also then slightly later in the chapter, maybe in the methodology methodology section, she says, maybe look at these two cards together. Like maybe, where is that? Hold on. I just want to find it so I don't get it wrong. Um, No, those are all tarot sizes. Where she's like, these two cards in the Celtic cross, try reading these two together. Yeah, I can't find it. Where did it go? But yeah, there is the the Celtic. You've laid out the Celtic cross. Now what? There's like the initial scan stuff. But then there was also something where she was like, okay, here it is. Okay, this is the part that I found the most interesting. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Celtic cross, it's 10 cards. Um, And so in this section, the other card pairing section, that's what I found so interesting. So it says like... Pair positions three and four to give you an idea of what has created this moment in time. So three and four are the foundation of the problem and the recent past. So I like looking at those two specifically together as joint cards to think of like what's created this problem or this moment. Like what can you know about that foundation and the recent past to move forward from it? Then it says, if you compare positions four and six, see what you're leaving and what's on the way. For example, 
if you pull the six of pentacles for position four and the five of pentacles for position five of pentacles five of pentacles <laughs> for position six you'll see a financial setback such as losing your support so rather than getting stuck on the four five six line look at the mm -hmm. four and the six to see sort of like the immediate past and the immediate future um, but the one that I like the most is the pair position seven and nine. And you get a glimpse of how the querent is thinking about their situation. So position seven is the querent in this moment. And position nine is the hopes and fears of the querent. And when you ignore the other stuff that's around that, you get a better vision of like what their goal is rather than right. like the surrounding elements or what else is happening. It just yes. becomes more of an idea that then once you do this, if the 10, which is the outcome for the situation, feels not positive, you can say, okay, well, here's you at this moment and here are your hopes and fears because right. now we're just looking at seven and nine. And where can we then do a more empowering spread off of that to figure out how with your current state and your hopes and fears, how can you get to an outcome you actually want? Right. And I think that's so strong because typically when you just see the Celtic cross and I see hopes and fears, but you're reading hopes and fears in like the seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, yeah. essentially. And it's like, well, the hopes and fears of what the hopes and fears of the person in the future in the situation, the hopes and fears of the person now, like yeah. so reading it specifically with that nine and that seven, read them together, sort of like specifies that hopes and fears into that one specific card. And you're able to get, I think a better, feeling and energy of the reading entirely than just like the overall hopes and fears over the entire spread. If it makes right, any sense. Exactly. Um, and then the, the, but she says like, if you take seven and eight, you could see how the environment is supporting the person or not. So then again, removing sort of like making these dual card combos within the larger spread gives you way more insight. And that's not something because I don't do the Celtic cross that I'd really considered that much of. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciated that. And it makes it made yeah. me want to kind of do a Celtic cross just like more regularly, just every once in a while, just for simple yeah. things, like nothing to, because I think maybe that's also the problem that I've always had with the Celtic cross is that it always felt so like dun, dun, important. Dun, dun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like <laughs> critical moment, you know? And right, so thinking right. about it as something that you can use for almost any situation, just lightheartedly, because you can just focus on like two of the cards within it and then use the other cards for additional clarification right. if you want or whatever, like that all feels way better to me than other. Yeah. She's made an easy it. guide to like zoom in and zoom out where appropriate. And I think that yeah. is really helpful for, cause like I got like the one Swiss JJ or JJ Swiss deck and it has like uh -huh. um, the U S games Celtic cross inside. And it's like, this makes no sense. Cause it's just telling me like, <laughs> what each space means. And so it's just like, Oh, okay. yeah. So Teresa's method, her walking us through it can help us get more right. meaning and our intuition engaged and stuff like that. So, and then she does two entire Celtic cross spreads going through. Here's how to do it when it's a really specific question. And here's what this person got. And then the second reading is a more general outlook, which is also super helpful to see the difference in those two. So the first question where the first example has a very specific question, which is uh, I'm concerned about the state of my business. And then the second one is just like a general life check-in. But I think yeah. that in both cases, it's really helpful to read through what they're saying, basically what's going yes. on with it. Yeah. Then she goes into some numerology and significator stuff. Um, and 
like what happens if you get a progression, which is her term for if you get the two, three and four of a suit or whatever, like what does Mm -hmm. that tell you in a reading? If you're kind of like on this pathway, Uh, what it means if you're getting all court cards, (laughs) what it means if you're getting (laughs) jumper cards, I feel like the all court cards thing could, would be, oh, I'm getting all court cards because I'm a newbie and the deck is throwing me all the court cards. To yeah, make it's me testing panicky. me. That's it's testing <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I also, there's a whole section about what happens if you look and you're just like, none of this makes any sense to me at all. Like what you uh-huh. get some step-by-step things to get through it when you're looking at something and you're like, what? I'm what? sorry. <laughs> what? Yes. Which I also That's really so helpful. love. Yeah. Yeah. And then a whole bunch of information about if you want to, or if you're consistently getting stuff wrong, like what you can try to do. And she talks about, she talked previously about how she regularly reorders her entire deck, which I really like as a cleansing okay. method. Right. Um, but that would be something you could do if you're just like getting stuff totally wrong. But the other thing is that I'm so bad. We've just talked about this on the podcast about writing stuff down. I'm really inconsistent with writing stuff down. And I know that that's like something I should do better about. And I don't think that she's saying you have to write everything down because then if you get something wrong, maybe it ends up being right later. But one of the interesting things that she says is that it isn't necessary. If you're consistently like, wow, I was way off. It's not necessarily that the cards were wrong as much as that you were misinterpreting the cards. And so if you write stuff down Mm -hmm. more regularly, which is a good reminder to me again, you can sense those things where it's like, oh, I saw this card as meaning this when in this situation it actually meant this other thing. Right, right. Yes. Um. Yeah, so, the, I mean, there's so much. There's tons more tarot sizes, a lot more exercises that you can do. And then she gets to the going pro section, which I also... I think this is kind of... This is the thing that makes the book sincerely unique because we have lots of yeah. blog posts about that, that, you know, we've posted or given people about going pro and we've had tons of questions about like, should I go pro? Should I not go pro? This is if you are even considering it for five minutes about doing anything professionally, read this section, get this book, read the section over and over. Because to me, this is like the best thing you can have in your pocket and at your disposal to kind of be able to discern whether you want to go pro or not. Totally. And if you should go pro and what to do if you want to. Exactly. So it feels really like it's not gatekeepery. It's like practical no. advice and things you really do need to think about. Because when I started selling readings, I had not thought about any of those things. And it mm-hmm. turns out I really didn't. I mean, I love doing readings for people. I really, really, really do. But there was something about the client relationship that was stressful. Yes. Yes. And that's all stuff that she's encouraging you to talk about. Right. With like yourself, I guess. Just some high points because got to get the high points. So if tarot is your only source of income, you'll have to get used to an unsteady income. That can be terrifying, especially we consider that you'll need to put money aside for taxes, health insurance, and retirement. Okay. So that's one. And she goes through like the good, bad, the ugly um, of terror, like being a terror professional. Remember, you're not here to fix people. I think that's one of the most important oh things. Oh my God. You yes. are not a therapist here to fix people. You are just here to read cards for them. Say, thank you. We're done. You're not here to fix people. Um, and then of course, remember you deserve to be comfortable with the people you serve as much as you want them to feel the same with you. If they cannot treat you, treat you with respect and want to trample over your boundaries, they need to go. And I think that's something that's, and she's, I think, specifically talking about in sections where there are doubters or people who are trying to push your buttons or yeah. say things to you. And 
I think setting that boundary ahead of time and knowing that these things are possible will help prepare you to be the best pro tarot reader you can be. Absolutely. And like, and like Holly said, it's not gatekeeper at all. It's more no. professional advice from what she has experienced, giving that advice to us as newer readers coming into things. Yeah. And that's it. She has this really beautiful yeah. outro that I super love and would read the entire mm-hmm. thing of, but I think that that's probably not necessary, but I just <laughs> think that this feels like a, like very wise and helpful way to kind of dig into stuff. And it's, yeah. it, it is not surface level information once you kind of like get into it, even if right when you're first looking at card definitions, you're like, Oh yeah, I've seen these definitions before. It's kind of like, it's more like a pep talk of reminding us that we have to and get to keep learning about all of this stuff. Yes. Yes. The definitions and it's great. are great. And the tarot exercises help us go deeper into things. And I'll probably purchase a hard copy of the book because it's nice to get on my phone, you know, like reading ebook, it's one thing, but having those tarot exercises there, like if I'm having a problem with like the four of cups, I can just pull it do the tarot exercise and have that at my disposal really quickly. So. Yeah, totally. Awesome. I mean, I think that we kind of already touched on what we perceived the weaknesses to be. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about strengths or weaknesses? I think that we pretty much covered. I don't think so. I think as we were going through the book, we kind of gave our feelings and did both. That's what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Shocking. Not adhering to a structure. Us. (laughs) impossible you could have guessed but yeah I I don't know I just really liked it I also think that like one one of the other books that we really 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 liked was that one with the very 90s cover oh I don't remember but anyway this one is like Weiser did a really good job of making this look so like current yes yes very much so like the cover itself is really appealing yeah I think it's one of the stronger beginner books that we've encountered on the show, because it kind of gives you a lot of everything into one package. Yeah, totally. It's so much bang for your buck for sure. Yeah. Power of Tarot is the other book. Oh, Power of Tarot. Yeah. We really liked Power of Tarot. I really think this and Power of Tarot are my two favorite tarot books. Yeah. Top two, like I am a new reader and I need these. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then the second level would be Queering the Tarot and Tarot for Troubled Times, one of Teresa's yes. other books, because Tarot for Troubled Times, I found really transformational in the way that I read. And Queering the Tarot is super, super helpful as well. So those are kind of like the tier yeah. two, like now yes. you're a tarot reader, get these books. Also. This is what to do next. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Someday we'll have to just actually review the uh, like bigger, most more gigantic um, like Rachel Pollock books. Oh, yes. But they're yes, yes. also beefy that it's hard to get there. Yes. Also, at the same time, she was mentioning like books about the history of tarot. And I'm like, our book isn't listed there. Oh, well, no, I mean, well, ours isn't so. out yet. But one of the ones, I don't know if you noticed this, Esther, but one of the ones is the Encyclopedia of Tarot. That's Stuart Kaplan series of books that is unaffordable and unavailable. Like, The reason that, not the reason that, but one of the really cool things that we found when we were writing our book is that there are a lot of amazing tarot resources that are just not available anymore. And so we, in some ways, like would like to think of our book as sort of bringing some of those resources forward to like being published now because they're so hard to access. 
today. Yeah, in affordably, yes. Like the Stuart Kaplan exactly. book you can buy if you want to spend $400. Yeah, easily three $400. Yeah. Yeah. And they're only available used, so you have to like really track them down. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, eventually, Teresa Reed, you'll have to republish this and include us. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our show. Next week, we're talking about the Numinist Tarot. And don't forget to send us all of your questions. You can find our contact information at wildlytarot.com, including that form with which to submit questions, which is very helpful. Yes. And tell your friends about us and rate and review us. We're still competing against dead podcasts. So we would love to have (laughs) your review on our Apple podcast thing or Stitcher. I think Stitcher does reviews too. Probably. I don't have Apple podcasts, so I just use my iPad when I want to give people reviews. Okay. You can also follow us on Instagram at wildly tarot podcast or join our Facebook community by searching for wildly tarot podcast on Facebook. We also have a discord community that the link will be in the show notes as well as like shit in our red bubble shop where you can buy a certification for really, really. Yeah. (laughs) We sold one this week. (laughs) Yeah. Yay, we're officially certifiers. Uh, And remember, go forth and tarot wildly this week. We love you. We love you. Thank you for bearing with us. (laughs) Even though we didn't really stay on script the whole entire time.